Blog Talk Radio. DJ Mona Lisa just chilling in bed because that's the way I like to do it. I'm just here thinking about my life, about all the various things in life that I want so badly, but I find myself saying, I don't want it. You know, for example, I love to tell people that I love to be promiscuous and, you know, have a lot of boyfriends and just have a good time when that's not the truth at all. You know, and I think today's the day that I should honestly let you know what I want. Like, I've been fooling myself for a while, letting myself think that 
I want to be poor, you know, I don't need the material things in life, you know, and I just want to help homeless people and people who are suffering. But how can you help these people when you cannot help yourself, you know? And um, I'm really used to having a rich life. And recently, for over a year, I settled for less. I wanted to, like, experience a poorer life. But today's the day when I have to confront my fears because my fears or what caused me to not want the best things in life, really. Because I had the husband, the money, the cars, I had everything that I ever wanted. But the truth about it all is I've been so disappointed. And maybe you find yourself going through that also, because once someone disappoints you, or a number of people disappoint you in life, you're going to find out that, you sort of give up on your dreams, your hopes and aspirations, and you settle for less. Well, I think that that is what happened to me. Like um, recently I sent um, some money to Jamaica um, to this friend to take care of my childhood home in Jamaica. And I'm so disappointed in him because he turned around and he spent all the money and he didn't do what he promised me that he would do. And so that's a letdown. So you'll find me saying that I don't care about Jamaica when the truth is I care about Jamaica. I care about my childhood home, but I'm just so disappointed Okay, I'll go back and I'll say, "Mm, I'll never, ever marry. I don't want to settle down. When the truth is, I know of no other life because I hate to run around. I I will flirt with um, several men, but I really like to have one person in my life. I always say, straight up, the pussy gets confused. So I just need to be with one man at a time, you know, and... um, So I'm very, I'm not at a stage in life where I'm sad. I'm not, I'm not sad at all. I'm, I'm very happy. But at the same time, I think I'm coming down to that point in my life where I have to decide, do you want to be rich or do you want to be poor? Okay, let us look at it. If I were to become rich and I know what it takes to be rich and I can be rich if I want to, I can tell myself, okay, in three to six months, this is the amount of money that you want. I know how to get it because, you see, once you have the talents, you know, and you've been there, done that, you know how to get that there. So if I were to become rich, uh, let me see, um, I can't give like I used to because a lot of people, all they did was just use me. Yeah, I can't. And it's very sad when people just see you as an object. Like I said in the show before, just see you as the bank. So if I'm rich the next time around, nobody will really, really, really know. Because I want to be this type of person that I meet people um, and, you know, I question them. And based on the answers that they give to me, I realize that they need help and then just send them a check in the mail rather than the world know that, oh, she has it and everybody needs money, you know. But then again, if I'm rich, you know, I could 
like put a million songs out there. I want more songs to be out there on the radio, you know, and um, that would be wonderful and promote them to the max. So that's good. Okay, if I'm rich, mm, I could just pay off for my school in full. I'm paying like $200 a month. I would just pay that off upright. If I'm rich, I could have a mm, a recording studio, my own recording studio. I could also travel a lot. I hate staying in one place. I love to travel all over the world. My school, we were supposed to go to Paris, you know, and um, it cost like thousands of dollars, like almost $4,000, and you're not talking about spending money yet, you know. And if I'm rich, I could do all that versus being poor. But there's something about being poor and Growing up as a child, I saw it and I wanted it. And I think that is one of the reasons that I turned back, that I no longer care about being rich because I want to experience it. When I was growing up, we were a middle-class family. And the people next door to us was very, very poor. But I realized that the food we ate didn't smell half as good as the food from next door. And when I did go next door, which my parents were totally against, you know, uh, my grandparents, when I did go next door and they offered me food and I ate it, the food tasted so good. And we didn't make that type of food next door. So I started to really fall in love with people that are poor, you know. And I also remember that, being in their homes was nicer. You know, a lot of people be on the bed, laying down, falling asleep, but I felt a peace beyond understanding. And I would be missing, and my grandma don't know where I was, and I was next door sleeping in the bed. I remember Gangang. Gangang was like 94 years old or 96, because she died when she was about 100 years old. And I would go next door, and Gangang, you know, would talk to me. She was blind. She would tell me about God and to be honest, she was in a lot of mess, you know, because the sheets were dirty and stuff, and I would change it. I was about uh, eight years old. I would change the spread, um, change her nightgown because she, she wet the bed and they didn't take care of her. I would change her nightgown, and I would tell her. I would say to her, can you tell me about God? Tell me more about God. And she said to me that um, she sees Jesus every day. So I said to her, how can you see Jesus and you're blind? And she said, I see him all the time. He's right there before me. And sometimes she would stop talking to me and she would say, she would say things like, Jesus, you know, mighty God, thank you for coming. You know, and she just kept on praising Jesus. And I remember saying this, I die, I want to experience what it is to be blind and still see Jesus. You know, but I was happy. You you go next door over to my home, it was like all these people in my house, nobody really deals with me. 
you know, that's another story. You know, nobody really raising me, nobody teaching me nothing. I'm basically on my own because my mother was in the U.S. and left me with my grandma and did not send a dime back to Jamaica. So nobody really cared about me. I raised myself. But next door, I'm telling you, wonderful experience. When the rain was falling on the rooftop, and although their roofs always leaked, you know, I felt good just getting up um, like a container, catching water, put it to catch water, and then I'll say, Miss Merkel, um, the other room is leaking. And she say, Venice, go get a pot and, and put it there to catch the water. And I would do that. But the... The music that the rain made on the rooftops, it was so wonderful. It felt so beautiful. It was greater than the music at my house, whatever they were playing. It was so much greater than that. And then next door, there was a little boy called Dean. Dean, he had heart trouble. And um, Miss Merkel, who was his grandma, she took the best care of him. She loved him with all her heart. And I remember when Dean died, and it was so sad, real, real sad. But although these people were poor, for some reason, when people die for them, they bury them in class. Don't ask me where they get the money from. But whoever died for them, they get so much respect, love, and honor. And, you know, I got pregnant at a young age. I think I got pregnant about 14. And when it was time to give birth to my child, by the time it was time to give birth, I was like 15. I didn't call on the people in my house, you know. It was about 12 o'clock in the night, and little Venice went next door. I knocked on the door, and I said, um, Elaine, um, I think I'm going to have baby. And she said, are you in pain? And I said, yes, I'm in a lot of pain, and I've been feeling the pain for hours. And she said, oh, my God, uh, I better go call the nurse. And she came, she put me back in the bed, and she called the nurse. And um, I had baby at home, 15 years old. Don't make me cry now. And um, when the baby came out, I remember my mother saying, my grandma saying, is the baby Chinese? And the nurse said, yes, full Chinese. And my grandmother said, praise God. Because they had it to say that I wasn't pregnant for the Chinese guy who later became my husband. But um, I remember doing my first interview as a singer at about um, shortly after I had baby. I recorded my first song somewhere there. And I told them that I was forced to become a woman because now I had the responsibility of raising a child. You know, I could no longer see myself as a teen but I have to grow overnight to become a woman to raise that child. You know, and I thank Elaine for being there for me. It was a mother that I, she was a mother I never had. And um, I recently went back to Jamaica. When I say recently, it's, it is like maybe two years ago or so. And Miss Merkle was still alive. Gangang died, but, but Miss Merkel was still alive. And she said to me that, um, 
<laughs> she wished she could have some salmon to eat. When I go to America, she wanted me to bring some salmon for her. Can you believe it? She wanted salmon in cans, you know. And she also said to me, I would like to see you get married before I die. And I said, I may never get married. And that's when she responded, um, God wants you to get married. So I said, really? <laughs> and she said, yes. She's blind, just like Gangang. She lived a long life and she was blind also. So I said, um, married to who? She said, God said that the guy that you're with right now, you should get married to him. I said, wow, if God says that, I'm not going to disobey. I mean, at that time, I had thousands of fans, thousands. I could pick, choose, and refuse any man in the world. Not that I don't have the same amount of fans, but many of those sites have been um, deleted by another boyfriend, of course. But anyway, um, I said, if God says that, I will obey. I will never disobey God. If God say I should get married, I'm going to do it. But I said to her, um, I won't be here for long. She said, I need to heat the wedding cake before I die. Don't make me cry. <laughs> and um, I said, well, that simple means I need to get married now. She said, do what you have to do. So um, I sent for the pastor and... Um, me and my boyfriend, we decided to get married right there and then. I had more than one reason to get married, which we'll go into another time. But most of all, I wanted to get married because she told me that God said that I should get married. Well, I got married the following day, and I allowed her wish to come true. She got um, her slice of the wedding cake. I made sure she got the first slice. And, um, <laughs> oh, my gosh. But I realized the night that I got married, my husband was staring into space. So I said to him, what's wrong? And he, he was just silent. And I came back to America, but I knew that something was wrong. Something was definitely wrong. Shortly after, um, I sent for his mother to come to America and, um, I told her that I'm a woman of God, and you need to be honest with me. I need to know the truth about my husband, what's going on here. And that's when she informed me that my husband lived with a woman for 16 years. So I said to her, um, so in other words, you're telling me that he still lives with that woman. Why? Why did you lie to me all along, you know, and told me that, my husband lived at your house. I would call there all the time. I would get him on the phone. That's when she said that he often came by her house to talk to me. I said, do you, do you realize you all just destroyed my life? How do you feel about that? Why would I marry to a man who had been with his wife for 16 years? Not, not his wife, but been with another woman for 16 years. Do I look like a home wrecker to you? I was totally mad, straight up mad. You know, so um, I called him in Jamaica and I said, hey, we got to talk. Why? No, before I even called him, 
I told his mom, I say, I handed her the phone, and I said, call the woman now, because I'm sure you have her number. So she called the woman, and I said, go ahead, tell her. You need to tell her the truth, because you hold her an apology. You, you hold me an apology. You just destroyed two people's life. So um, she got on the phone, and she was like, um, Cherise, I have something to tell you. And Cherise was like, because I'm hearing everything. Oh, damn, wouldn't you want to hear everything? And she was like, um, yeah, uh, what is it? And I'm looking at the time. I think I got nine minutes. And she was like, um, Cherise, um, Omar married now. Omar married to this girl in America named um, DJ Mona Lisa. And Cherise was like, what the fuck are you telling me? How Omar to married and me and Omar live together? I said, hey, give me the phone. Give me the phone. I said, hey, what's up? I say I didn't know all this. First of all, if I'd known that Amar was with you all the time, I wouldn't have you even married to him. And she was like, hey, girl, if you ever come at Jamaica, now chop you up with a wrestler, cut last. I'm like, oh, my God, what is this I got into? <laughs> no, for real. I'm saying, what is this I got myself into? So you see, based on that experience, that is the reason why I am the way I am today. Not wanting to get married, wanting to remain single. And I know some people like when I change my voice and talk like other people, but I want to do so much because this was a hurtful situation. When I called Amar, Amar was like, Man, um, you don't know what I'm talking about. You say, I say, you don't know what I'm talking about? Really? And you have the nerves sending your mother to America to stay in my house and knowing all this is not real. You, you really have the freaking nerves. And that's when he told me that he was going to kill himself. He said he was going to drown himself. So I tell him, go ahead. And he hanged up the phone. So, um. I didn't hear from him till about six months after, you know, and he begged for his marriage, asked for things to work out, and I said no. So currently at this very present time that we're talking, I'm still a married woman, never got divorced. He kept saying, um, all right, if you don't want to make it work, give me my divorce. I said, I'm not ready because you know what? I'm going to use that marriage to protect me. For every man that comes in my life, I will have to go through a divorce before I dedicate myself to them, and that will give me enough time to decide whether or not I want to go through with it. I say, you want a divorce? You go get it yourself. Trust me, my so-called husband, very handsome man, very, very handsome. Ah, uh, if we should go deeper, mm, should I tell you this? Okay, he got the biggest private parts, you know, I've ever experienced. And um, he does a good job with it. And um, I know I could have a good life with him, but why should I have a wonderful life um, while someone else suffers? I'm so happy that he went back to the mother of his kid. They never left, but he made up with her, tried to convince her that there's nothing in his heart for me and his little daughter. I'm so happy. No, seriously, I'm happy for them both, and um, I hope things are working out. But in the meantime, I must say that 
you know, life is going to disappoint you in many ways. I still believe that, apart from Miss Merkel telling me that God wanted me to get married, I think I really got married because she told me she wanted to taste the wedding cake before she died. And I'm glad that I enabled that wish to come through because shortly after I came to the U.S., came, um, returned to the U.S., I got the news, Miss Merkel had died. Yes. Sometimes we will do things to make other people's dream come true. I've done it over and over and it in my life, a lot of times, the best men that have come in my life, that, that came into my life, they were already living with, with someone or married or just had a girlfriend. And I mean, I felt real love. I felt true love. I felt respected. I had a wonderful time with them. And yet, when I realized that someone else was involved, I kindly told them to go back to their wives. Now, you can do this for so long, for so long. One day, someone is going to come my way that I may never send back home. I do believe so. And I'm going to feel like I deserve it because why I sent many men back home. And, but then again, but then again, knowing the heart that I have, I never want to see another woman hurt because of me. So if I should do it, maybe I'll do it if that woman definitely gave up on her marriage and refuses to do the right thing. And we would even have to have a talk, you know, but I don't even want to go that way. Overall, I've, um... I've suffered a lot of losses in life, not because um, I couldn't avoid it. It's because I chose to. Because in the Bible, there was this guy called David. He could get any woman that he wanted, but yet he killed Uriah in order to get his wife, you know. And um, God greatly punished him. I feel that I'm a beautiful woman and that there are many guys that are out there that would want to be with me, and I have many opportunities. So why should um, I destroy a marriage or come between a couple who God joined together? Let no man put asunder. Beautiful people, good afternoon. May God bless you. Take care of yourselves. I can't. 